All right, everyone. Welcome to a fresh post-game edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. I'm Nick Cosmat, your host, joined by producer Cos as we uh, take you through our reaction from Chiefs 19, Broncos 8. Denver falls to 1-5 on the season. It is their worst start through six games since 1994. Um, okay, the silver lining, a couple years after that, the Broncos were Super Bowl champs, okay? So I, I think the Broncos have the NFL right where they want it um, at this point in time, um, or maybe not. Look, th- this, is, this was a task that we knew for Denver was a Herculean one. They were playing on short rest, a defense that has been the worst in the league by a wide margin, uh, heading to Arrowhead Stadium to play a Chiefs team that, while its offense wasn't humming at quite the same frequency that it has in past seasons, still obviously dynamic with the best quarterback in the game, um, and the Chiefs were 4-1 and one, um, behind a defense that has quietly been one of the best units in the league and was, was excellent tonight. Um, I'm going to start with two takeaways, Matt, from this loss. Number one is for a team that was really big on situational football and and Sean Payton's impact being the thing that hopefully helped them be better in that, in that arena after they were really poor in 2022, this hasn't been a very good situational football team poor on third down. Um, They, 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 they had a clock management situation that that was kind of an all timer today. They're down by 10 points. With 47 seconds left in the first half, they get the ball a first and 10 on their own 24-yard line. So the Broncos at this point have two timeouts. Um, they have the 47 seconds. Worst case scenario, and that should be just, you know, run out the time and you don't, you know, you don't get anything. You don't give the ball back to the Chiefs. Well, Broncos get a 15-yard gain on their very first play, call a timeout. They throw in complete. Um, uh, I'm sorry, they, they didn't have to call timeout after the screen because they went out of bounds. So they're, they're, um, they're, they're first and 10 after the 15-yard gain. Um, they, they throw incomplete on, on first down. They throw a short play to, to Cortland Sutton in the field of play that puts them near midfield on second down, and that's when they have to use uh, their second timeout. Um, so now you're facing a third and five. You're close to midfield. There's a little more than 25 seconds left on the clock. And Russell Wilson gets sacked. Um, he gets, you know, Mike McGlinchey gets beat by Chris Jones in a, in a blink. Russell Wilson doesn't step up in time, sack. And strangely enough, at that point, there's 22 seconds left in the first half. Sean Payton calls a timeout, um, stops the clock. You know, the Chiefs didn't look like they were going to, to do anything with the clock, maybe let it run out. Although Sean Payton says, yeah, they were trying to call a timeout too. I just lost track of the down. It was a boneheaded mistake. Um, you know, regardless, you know, if he doesn't call that and the Chiefs are trying to call a timeout, they had all three of theirs. They ended up taking one to halftime. So, you know, they, it, it might've been a wash, but it was just, again, like this mistake that is, it was just sort of unnecessary. And sure enough, you, you kick up, you punt the ball 29 yards, you get a penalty. The, the Chiefs get the ball. Um, you know, a, a short pass from, from uh, Patrick Mahomes to Jarek McKinnon, followed by a 13-yard Patrick Mahomes scramble, and they're in position for a 60-yard field goal, which, the Matt, I was there tonight. The wind was whirling, and you thought that's still a really tough task. Sure enough, Harrison Butker nails it. Looks like it would have been good from 70. And you've just flipped. So not only, like, 
and, and Sean Payton kind of said, ah, you know, it was, it was three points. I think there was bigger points in the game than that. And he could be right, but it's also you not getting to, you know, advancing the ball 15 more yards to get your own shot at a field goal and then giving them the three points. And in a game where look, the Broncos had cut it to, had cut it to eight with six minutes to go. The chiefs go down and add another field goal. Well, if, if you, they hadn't had that earlier three points, now you're only chasing one possession. So uh, to me, Matt, I, th- this team is just like, it's full of veteran players it's full of this coach who drills it. Why aren't they better in these moments? Yeah, and I mean, to your point on those kinds of miscues, I mean, they had two timeouts starting that drive because on the fourth down earlier on the first drive, they could, I mean, that's an obvious situation where you're going for it. I mean, I guess they could have tried the long field goal, but in a game like this, you're, you you should know in advance that if you don't get that three yards that you're going, you're going for it on fourth and they can't get a play in and they end up burning a timeout early there. And then the play that they do get in was, I mean, that one to me is on Russell. He had Jerry Judy open. If he takes one step forward of the pocket and completes a pass, as soon as Judy turns around, that's a first down. And, you know, you don't leave points on the board that they should have had there too. Um, you know, there's, I mean, he get, ends up get, instead keeps dropping back, flushes right, then runs out of bounds on fourth down. Like, you know, throw a ball up. What's the worst that happens? Like it gets picked off and they have the ball where it got picked off. Well, the of, problem is there was nobody, uh, you know, you run out of bounds. He runs to a part of the, right. He ran away from all, th- he ran away from his trips. There's like, no- I mean, like I said, and if you look, Judy, Judy, Judy runs out, runs a hitch route, turns around at the sticks wide open. And like, he, Russell was like, had time to throw it, but he's already looking at the rush instead of getting the ball out quickly, which is something we have commended him for throughout the games up until this point. This was the first game where he seemed skittish in the pocket. He didn't seem like he was set. He seemed like he was ready to bail out and he missed some of those opportunities to find like the receivers didn't have much space at all this game, but when they did, even when they did, it didn't seem like he was, he was on the same page and ready to make those throws. Yeah. And, and that was going to be, that was my, my takeaway number two was just the performance of Russell Wilson tonight was just simply not very good. Um, You know, 13 of 22, 95 yards, one late touchdown, the two interceptions, you know, the, 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 the four sacks taken, including one on fourth down that we, that you just talked about laid out really well. Um, It was just a, it was a poor performance. It was arguably his worst performance um, since becoming a Bronco. If you look at it in terms of passing yards, in terms of passer rating, it was his worst as a Bronco. And it came at a time when the defense, you know, embattled this whole season, scrutinized hard. Like they played their butts off. That they that was that was a unit that played hard. They played they played Mahomes well. Um, you know, they they really showed up in the red zone, which is what you what you have to do because you're gonna give up you're gonna give up yards. You're gonna you're gonna give up plays. Um, they allowed just the one touchdown and was it four trips or five trips into the red zone for Kansas City? Uh, five trips, one touchdown were really, really good um, in the red zone. I thought we're flying side to side all over the place. So the defense largely did its job and you put up eight points. I, I mean, for all the problems that the Broncos had offensively last year, um, you know, they, they never scored eight points. Um, I mean, that's just it's eight points. Like, it's just, it's not, um, and, and look, like, it's not all on Russell Wilson. Like this, this offensive line that they invested so much in is, is continuing to play poorly. Mike McGlinchey has not played well by and large this season, uh, especially in pass protection. And, you know, Russ is, he's starting to feel that rush. It looks so similar to what we saw for a lot of 2022. Um, I I started to see a little bit last week when they had that really poor second half against the Jets and Quinn Williams was getting getting in the backfield at will. Um, But, you know, it's one of those games that just sort of really 
you know, it renews the, the, that question about, about, about the future. And this, this to me just looks like a, um, a, a separation that is inevitable, like what the timeline is going to be, you know, that, that's, that's unknown at this point. Like I'm, I'm sure there's still some decision-making that has to go into that, but you know, it's, it's interesting. This is the Broncos worst start. I said, since 1994, that 94 team, there's some parallels there. They were, they were quarterbacked by a 34 year old veteran named John Elway, just like the Broncos right now are quarterbacked by a 34 year old veteran named Russell Wilson. Um, you know, that, uh, that Denver team also lost its fifth game to the chiefs. Well, that team turned around it won six of its last 10 and then hired Mike Shanahan who figured out how to build a team around an aging John Elway and create this, you know, obviously the league's best rushing attack. Those are sort of the parallels I think that you, you could would have hoped for with Sean Payton, right? Building it around this veteran quarterback who's, who's had some great years, but clearly doesn't have the same mobility that he did when he was a young pro bowler. Um, but man, Matt, and I'm sure, I'm sure Broncos fans weren't necessarily able to envision it, just how good it would get for, for, for Elway and that offense from, from where they were. Um, but it, it is just near impossible for me to imagine a turnaround in which the Broncos are, are so good offensively behind a Russell Wilson quarterback team. Um, you know, I, I think the parallels stop with, with where this season has, has begun and yeah, it's, it's, it's just a matter now of, of what the path is. I mean, I mean, do you have Terrell Davis's number? Because if we can get him back out here, running behind the line, maybe we'll be in a little bit. Not the other. He still shape. Like he can do it. All right, yeah, but I mean, honestly, like the ground game wasn't like I think to me what was so surprising about Russell's struggle today is that the run game went pretty well like especially in the first half like that first drive like they had some really good running they got the ball going like our kansas city was stacking seven eight guys in the box playing cover zero like those are the kinds of situations where it should be easy it's like when you're in cover zero with seven guys rushing like you don't have to think about it you go to your hot route and like you get the ball out of your hands and you get the ball going down the field like that's that's like the easy decision making like that's when you can't be holding onto the ball and taking those sacks and that's to me like once the running game's working, that the passing, that play action passing game, the deep shots have to be working. And they just didn't take any of those deep shots today. Where was Marvin Mims, Nick? <laughs> like, I mean, um, this, like, with everything that has gone well on this offense this season, it seems like has, has evolved around Marvin Mims or Jaleel McLaughlin. Like, Jaleel got his carries in the first yeah. half and they're just done. Um, and then. Like Marvin Mims didn't get a target the entire game. Like they're like, you know, oh, the receivers aren't getting separation. Like throw your receiver open. Like you run the flyer out. If it doesn't work, you throw the back shoulder out and suddenly you throw your guy open and you have opportunities there. Worst case scenario, you maybe end up with a defensive pass interference call. Like they took, they didn't take the shots. They didn't give their guys chances to make plays tonight. And they just bled out slowly to the defense, giving the like the Chiefs' average starting position had to be like the fifty yard line tonight. Like it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, they knew the punting game was going to be a problem given the wind, and it certainly was for Riley Dixon. And when you're talking about the starting field position, yeah, you know, and that that's some of the you know that was some of the buzz on on Twitter, right? Is like, you know, how come these wide receivers in a lot of one on one coverage aren't getting open? And it's you know it's a couple of things. I think, you know, you, 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 the Broncos, when, when they're, they're, they kind of say, Hey, we, we, we got to have six or seven yards here. They, they love to throw that sort of deep, like way outside slant for Cortland Sutton. 
they hit it. Uh, they hit it, I think, twice, but they also had a time, you know, a couple times where it was batted down, or at least once where it was batted down from behind by the defender. He doesn't get a ton of separation on that route, but he's the guy that you sort of depend on as that big-bodied wide receiver to sort of make that catch anyway. Um, so th- there is, I think, a factor of these guys, whether it be it, you know, they don't have enough speed um, outside of Jerry Judy, who, who, you know, even for his technical ability as a route runner is not necessarily like, a, a, you know, just a huge speed guy. Um, but part of it, too, is just the time to, to, to do it because it's not just the amount of time that you know that they they fully protect russ it's it's how long before he decides that he's bailing because as soon as he bails whatever they were trying to set up with the route it now becomes different now it's now it's just like you're trying to you know get your get your feet out of the grass and and sort of make a make a counter move um and and that's just not something that they've been on the same page with really ever since he got here that 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 sort of second level second action play hasn't been productive like for Wilson, like it was in Seattle for all those years um, where, you know, part of that was he was quicker. So he was able to get further away from the rush, give those guys more time. But yeah, I'm with you, Matt. Like Sean Payton today said, you know, we have to do a better job with, with our bunch routes, with our stack routes of, uh, you know, of rubbing guys open. But I don't know, some of the stuff you you saw to, to, to bring up your point about like, just, just make the throw was, you know, they, they run this little kind of like, as probably a conversation for another pod, but yeah, their, their motion stuff just does not do a lot for me in terms of like getting guys out of their position. But Jerry Judy starts to come in motion from the far right side of the formation. He, um, you know, he cuts that off short right at the snap and then just sort of runs a little in and out in and out route with, with Greg Dulcich running some, some cross over the other side. It's not really open, but it's, it's third down and you, you need a play and you can put it in a place where he's, you know, only he could get it theoretically. Um, and you know, I, I think that was either ended up being a throwaway or a sack or something like that. And, um, yeah, man, it's just, <laughs> it, whatever it is, it, they're just, they're just not creating good opportunities in the passing game. True. I did, I did find it kind of interesting. I was last week, I was kind of critical of some of Samaje P Ryan's blocking towards the end of the game. Um, and to start the game on the, the opening drive this week, it ended up not being P Ryan who was in on some of those. Uh, late throwing down blocking situations. They actually ran Michael Burton out there as, as yeah. the lone back in a couple of situations as the blocker. And he did a fantastic job on a couple of those plays on the first drive, picking up blocker or picking up great blocks that were really effective. They even, they moved him out wide to be a blocker on a screen pass. Um, it seemed like in those scripted plays, they recognized like, Oh, we have a fullback, you know, he's yeah. a pretty good blocker. Maybe we, he's someone that we should be using for that kind of pick those blitz pickups, but then back, you know, late in the game who's back in the backfield some AJP Ryan and you know he, he puts the ball on the ground and I understand that if you're wanting to have a running back that you can you can have block but also slip out of the backfield to be more of a receiving threat that's probably not going to be Michael Burton but if what you're saying is like hey you know we the, the time for Russell to throw isn't there and like we need to get the ball downfield a little bit like why isn't Michael Burton in the game in that situation blocking instead of my Samaj P Ryan like I don't know. It just seemed it seemed it was an interesting switch at the start of the game. I really liked it. I think I texted you. I was like, "Oh, Michael Burton's going to be our passing down yeah, blocker, yeah. blocking back." And then that you know that just stops. It doesn't happen anymore after that. I'm like, "Oh, okay. I guess we're moving on from that." Yeah, yeah. And and I I think again this was it was largely I don't know to me this was a game plan in which 
you know, it, it's similar to what we see a lot with with the Chiefs when when you play them of sort of knowing that, you know, you can't you got to slow the ball down. You're you're trying to keep it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands as often as you can. Um, but but I think they did that to their own detriment in terms of like they're just. I mean, I think the longest the longest pass play was the 15 yard screen at the at the end of the first half in that drive we were just talking about. Like there was nothing down the field tonight. And it's like, you have Russell Wilson, like for, you know, the stuff that he doesn't really do well is these like short, quick hit over the middle stuff. He got four passes deflected tonight, four in one game. And one of those was intercepted, of course, uh, that got tipped up by, by Willie Gay and and intercepted by Justin Reed. Um, And Russell Wilson's first interception was just, was just an awful read. Um, You know, they're near midfield. He's got Jerry Judy, Nick Bolton, linebackers dropping there the whole time. And, you know, Russ is staring at the play the whole time. And he, he just said, you know, I, I, he felt like he could get it over him, but the throw was so flat. It had had no, no chance of getting, getting over, over Bolton. Um, but, but yeah, they're just not, just not, not pushing, pushing the tempo and, you know, playing offensively, like, you know, they're, they're trying not to make mistakes and lo and behold, they are, I mean, they turned the ball over three more times tonight after they had the three, um, Three offensive, uh, three turnovers. Was it three offensive turnovers against the Jets? They had the the, the Russell Wilson fumble, the 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 fumble on the um, on the pitch play, and maybe it was just the punt by yeah, Marvin. It was the punt. I think it was the punt. Getting, yeah, but um, I don't you know, know. I think it was the might be. They're just uh, yeah, just not a not. There's a, no margin for error with this team. There, there isn't a margin for error where if you're turning the ball over, you can bounce back. Some of those games, like some of those games that were closer are the ones where they've played okay and been in games near the end. It's been when they've been positive in the turnover battle. I mean, it's no coincidence that the one game they won the season was when they got a defensive touchdown. Um, those are the kinds of things that really help the team make you a hell of a lot more likely. And the defense did look much better. Getting Justin Simmons back um, is is great for that defense. He, you know, he played well. I thought that, um, especially in the red, Jaquan McMillan. Yeah, Jaquan mm-hmm. McMillan played. Well. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say it was a great point on Simmons. Since he's come back, they they have been dynamite in the red zone. The last last mm-hmm. nine, uh, I'm sorry, last ten trips that teams have made into Denver's red zone, only one touchdown and. You know that Simmons talks about red zone red zone defense being all about communication, and he's the guy that kind of calls that. So he's been, I think, a steadying force there for sure. It's a good point. Absolutely, and like I said, like I was getting to Jaquan McMillan, I thought had a really good game. He he was probably one of their better tacklers for today, which uh, which you absolutely love. Or I love I love a good a defensive back that's willing to make some tough tackles, and he he played really well today. He did get beat here or there, but if you're the guy playing across from Pat Sertan, you have to have that short memory. You have to understand that quarterbacks are going to throw at you a lot. Uh, you know when you're when you're across the field from an All Pro, you're you expect to get picked on a little bit, and that's going to have its ups and downs. But I thought that you know he played fairly pretty darn good throughout the day today. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of in the next few weeks up until the trade deadline, which I'm sure we're getting ready to talk about here in a minute is who do those phone calls start coming in for? We kind of have mentioned some of the wide receivers potentially being targets, but who on the defense um, ends up being a target for some of those, those phone calls. Cause I could see a guy like Justin Simmons who has pl- played fantastic, but could easily be someone that the Broncos are ready to move and make a deal for to kind of re- recoup some of that draft potential. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think with just with a guy like Justin Simmons, I, I think you just have to make sure if you were to make that deal, um, that that he's on board with it. Uh, I, I think he's a guy who has done too much for you as an organization um, in in the community. Just who he has been in that locker room during one of the darker chapters for your franchise um, has just been a model of everything you want in a player, in a teammate, in a, um, you know, in a person like, and so you're, you're trying to build this, this culture uh, both, both from an ownership level. And then, you know, with, with Sean Payton, um, if you ship a guy like that, just, you know, to get a third round pick or whatever he might yield, you know, just because you're trying to just simply trying to load up capital like that, that could have, I think, negative returns, you know, might be hard to quantify in the immediate in terms of like, you know, the, the draft trade itself, but, but what it would do for, you know, guys you're trying to, to bring in and, you know, that sort of thing. I, I just think now, again, Justin's never going to come out and, and say it and, and he might fully not be interested in, in it, but I, I just can't imagine with all he's gone through since coming to the league in 2016, I, his pick tonight was his, the 28th. Um, since he came in the league in 2016. No safety during that time has more. The only player in the NFL who has more is Xavier Howard. The corner for the Dolphins has 29 um, in that span. I mean, he's, he's an incredible player. and um, Five of them off Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, right. So, I mean, he's um, – yeah. So, so but but again, he's probably your, your – he, he's, he's really the – I think the only guy that you look at that, that would say – yeah, the the um, the asset return would would be sizable um, because everybody else. I mean, we talked about Judy, and we got to talk about this this wild situation before the game tonight, Matt. Where Gary um, <laughs> Judy apparently gets into this pregame spat with Steve Smith, um, with Smith trying to come over to right. Jerry Judy and and in Smith's words, apologize for calling Jerry Judy um, a jag, just a guy on his, on his podcast. And, you know, in, in, in Steve Smith's telling, uh, Jerry Judy basically said, no, I don't, I don't mess with you, man. I have I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. And, and Steve Smith shares this on NFL network in pregame and then says, like, when people call me to ask about whether they should pay for you, I'm going to tell them, no, like that was a wild television moment. Like that is not part of your routine pregame program where like these, these two guys that have beef and, it's not the first time that we've seen this from Jerry Judy. He has this tendency to get into these online spats with like former players, um, you know, people who question, who criticize his his performance. Like he he, he snaps back at them, which I mean, I, like the, some of it's a maturity thing. Like tonight, Jerry he gets kind of a chance to respond to this and gets asked about. It. He says, I, "I don't remember that." And it's like, "Come on, man!" Yes, I mean. Like, let's at least, if you don't want to talk about it, fine, but let's not pretend like you don't remember or you don't know what we're talking about. Um, you know, say, I'm, I'm not going to address it, whatever. But anyway, I, I just, um, but but all of that is to say that, like, you know, that's not nothing to a team that would be, like, you know, giving up something in order to acquire a player who is, you know, by the way you acquire him, he, his salary next year is, is already guaranteed, that fifth-year option. Um, it, it's already guaranteed, so that that's going to be on your books if you're if you're trading for him. If you're, and if you're the Broncos, like if you're not trading him, you got to be you got to prepare to have him on your roster next year. I mean, you could always try to trade him again in the off season, 
Um, but but again, what is that? What is that return going to be? He had uh, three catches for 14 yards tonight. Um, still has not reached the end zone this season. Um, he, he is not to this point like rekindled what he was at the end of last year. When over those last six games, he was one of the better receivers in the league, man. So I just I, what does that look like? Do you think like a fifth round pick, a fourth round pick? Um, I mean, some of that I think comes down to do you is he willing or is he looking for a long term deal? Because I think that if you're looking, if you trade him, particularly after the season, like going into next season, it's someone who's looking at taking that 12 year deal and make, you know, $12 million next year and then making that maybe, you know, 10 million a year over four years kind of thing. You know, is Judy willing, looking for a long term deal and more concerned with that than he is with, um, you know, the short term making money and then testing the market. Does he think yeah. that, you know, cashing out now is his best option or getting another year, maybe with another quarterback with a, you know, a different and a better year in Sean Payton's offense, does his value increase there? Yeah. So I no. think that his willingness to make a deal may, may shift or as far as, because whether or not he's willing to make that extension may affect his, his trade value. I'd, I'd be, I'd be, um, I'd be surprised if anybody right now is trying to give him a long-term deal. Um, I, I just don't think that the, the, the production has been there. And I certainly think that the Broncos um, are weary and probably should be weary about, you know, extensions for their homegrown guys at this point. The, the, the two – look, I, I don't – you know, Cortland Sutton to me has I, – I don't – I wouldn't say that he's like drastically underperformed his, his deal – he, I mean, he's their, he's still their kind of their top wide receiver, right? As much as he, you know, I think he had tonight, he had, uh, yeah, let's see. He had four catches for, for 46 yards by far the, the highest total on the team had, uh, had the 21, had, had the, had the touchdown catch. I also had a 21 yard catch, I guess, toward the end of the game. So that was, that was the longest pass play of the game for the Broncos. But um, he, uh, you know, he, he's, he's durable. He's there, you know, all the time. He's, he's now, through his second year of, of the deal. And so I, I wouldn't say that he's underperformed it, but, but didn't, didn't take that actual next big step after signing that deal. And of course, Tim Patrick through no fault of his own, um, you know, the, the first two years of his deal didn't play at all due to his, due to his injuries. So I think there's some reticence. There's going to be some reticence. I mean, they just can't, you can't give out big deals right now to, to guys when you're still trying to figure out like, who you are as a team. And I just, I just don't envision Judy being a guy that they think, Hey, let's, let's commit to it for four, four more years as you be part of this, this building thing. I just, again, he's not been a part of a winning team. Um, and, and it's just a situation where you have to, you're going to have to make some of those decisions, but it would and, help. And I completely agree. Wins the football. If, if, if he's a guy that you know is going to be there for the next couple of years, he's on his rookie deal. You're going to need cheap labor everywhere you can get it. You're one in five. Maybe get this guy some some action. Like some, it really some experience some touches. And I know that was a hard spin back to that topic, but it really doesn't make a lot of sense at this point. Like I know you know whatever you whatever you say your game plan might be, but you know it, especially if you're getting a lot of a, a lot of man looks, get him out there and let him you know. Granted, his his um, you know his uh, his routes tend to need tend recent to need turnover struggle. Yeah, so I. Yeah, so it, that's yeah that that's another thing, and and that is going to be the question. All this is to to kind of put a bow on the on the trade deadline thing. There's more moves going to be made. Frank Clark, 
they're they're trying to trade him. You know, yeah. I, I don't think they'll get so much as a. I don't think they find for him. I don't think they'll find somebody. Will just say, yeah, we'll just we'll just ha- go ahead and hold on to our uh, sixth rounder, and you can keep your seventh rounder, and we'll just sign him to the to the veteran minimum once you uh, once you release him. Um, you know, right. so once he clears clears waivers, so. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um, well. I saw they did they did restructure his contract to the veteran minimum, so that potentially I think a trade sw- or a pick swap could happen for a team that's looking for that kind of depth. Um, but you're definitely not gonna you know garner a whole lot from him though. So I think I think that restructure is probably the only reason that they have a chance at getting um, you know even a sixth for a seven kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you know. That and and Justin Simmons, maybe someone on that D line. Yeah, I think DJ um, Jones would be a guy to watch on the defensive line. Didn't mm-hmm. play tonight, dealing with the the knee injury. Um, you know, it just it it just hasn't quite clicked with with him. I don't think either. Um, you know, again, not not that he's he's played particularly poorly, but again, a guy that expected to be part of part of a winning team at a lot of good winning years in in San Francisco. And you, you wonder if teams that have had these guys circle back on them, you know, now that you can kind of buy back at a, at a lower rate, um, you know, because I, I think anybody like that, the Broncos, you know, what's to keep the Fort Niners say, Hey, you, you know, that thing where you, you took a bunch of money that you're going to have to pay anyway for, for Andy Gregg, you want to do the same with DJ Jones and, you know, um, we'll, we'll get another solid guy that we know well in our system and you'll get closer to Caleb Williams and, and all these kind of things. Like that's, that's where it's at. Yeah, it's ridiculous that we're having the conversations. But I mean, this is like, realistically, if you're talking about how do you tank in the NFL, like, how do you tank in the NFL, you trade away any chance that you have at winning. So you trade away the guy like, you know, you're one in five, you trade away a Justin Simmons, your defense falls apart, you trade away your best receiving options. And suddenly it's like, okay, now we just our chances of winning those games are even smaller. And now our chances of ending up in the top two for picks become even better. So I think that it's it, you know, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see someone like DJ Jones, Justin Simmons, Jerry, Judy, Cortland, Sutton, any of those guys I could, I could see being shipped out. Greg Dulcich is another one that I think could end up um, seeing the market. Um, and I, I just, I, you have to start making moves at this point. You have to salvage something from this season. And I think the only way that you salvage something reasonable from the season is ending it with more trade capital or more draft capital than you have right now. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The other way to salvage is to, you, you, and you got, and it also clears the way for players that you've got to see like this, this is still for, for them in terms of where they're going and what they're trying to build. It's, it's still hugely important. Like I know like the way that fans like look at it through that lens, it's like, I know you, you, you look forward to the draft and the pick and all that kind of stuff, but there's a lot of interesting things that still happen in terms of like, you know, you, you were meant talking about Jaquan McMillan, you know, tonight, like, Kwan Williams is a guy that that is gonna you know if he even gets back this year, you know his contract is out next year and and again we're talking about you're gonna need affordable young players to to step into big roles and so watching his development in that nickel nickel role as the season goes on is like an important thing to to see so like those are all reasons to keep watching they're reasons to kind of ha- have a lot of interest in what's going on but there are also reasons that yeah if you if you move some guys. Um, you know, it, it's so that you can have part of it is the opportunity to see what you have. Um, you know, this is Josie Jewell in that mix. So you get, you get a, you get a bigger look at Drew Sanders who has a lot of talent, but, but needs as Vance Joseph likes to call it time on task. And, um, I think, I think the rest of the season has to be about getting a lot of these guys some time on task. 
Um, our time here is done, Matt. Uh, great, uh, great conversation about this game, about where the Broncos are going from here. Um, going to be plenty to talk about in the in the week ahead, but we'll we'll be taking the weekend off, um, enjoying a little bit of this mini buy along with the Broncos. We'll be back um, early next week to to talk through some more um, more things around the team and then to preview the game uh, uh, October twenty second, week seven. Uh, against the Green Bay Packers. So um, until then, uh, appreciate you guys being with us. Thanks for listening.